He's to the 45. He's oh, to he's the 50. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to plant it in the midfield of the O, is he? Wow. Yes, he is. Rattler again to throw it. Steps up in the pocket. Throws on the run. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SD Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kamir Murabian, joined by my good buddy, Stephen Brown. Stephen, how's life today, man? It's good. I'm preparing for a, a pretty big weekend, so uh, my schedule's pretty stacked early in the week, but it's good to get back on the podcast. What are you, what are, what's, what's, what's your plans like? What are you going to do? Uh, we're going down to uh, Elk River in southwest Missouri to do a little float trip this weekend, so that should be a good time. Okay, Preps River's not good enough for you? You got to go to Missouri for it? No, no, Okay, Preps is just, it's not a good year for the rivers for Okay, Preps. I'm I'm chilling out. You're gonna miss you're gonna miss out on like yeah. the, rec- the recruiting news. You'll be floating on a river somewhere, probably sunburnt. Uh, you're oh. gonna miss. You won't you won't miss Big Twelve Media Days though, right? No, I'm not too sad if I did. It's always kind of eh for me. Are you not a big it's fan just, of Big Twelve Days? It doesn't really move the needle for me at all. I mean, it's cool because it's just like football is almost here, but right at the same time, it. All those questions you already know the answers to, mostly. That's fair. Um, so let's dive right on into it. So the Big 12 and Media Days, it, it, it's the official kickoff, really, of football season when it means, hey, we're going to go talk to these coaches. We're going to go talk to a couple of players and get some basic vanilla answers out of them. And so, for example, now let's talk about the Big 12 first. Uh, we have a couple of different things here today, uh, talking about the Big 12 uh, media days, numbers, games, recruiting stuff with Caden Helm, Malachi Nelson, and Trayon Webb, and just a few other things. But there was an article written um, about Spencer Rattler, and not, sh- and it was about him not showing up to Big Twelve Media Days because of the national, uh, na- not national letter intent, uh, name, image, likeness, and nothing else. And it, I believe it was Clay Horning, and it was a. It was even he even mentioned it in his article that is pure speculation that Spencer Rattler is not there because he's busy with like raising Kane's promotions. <laughs> why why put that article out there? What did you see it? It's, did you read it? Hot, I saw the headline. I didn't read the article because I already knew that was just bullshit. But I mean, it's just name image likeness is going to go all the way through the season, even into I would say the bowl season. So. Um, let's say OU is preparing for a playoff run. Undoubtedly, the the biggest questions are like, are, is Spencer Rattler going to prepare for this bowl, or is he going to kind of uh, bump his money up during this, this this highlight time for him? So it's just one of those things you put it out there because it's going to generate clicks. So you are here to say that name image likeness is not a reason why Spencer Rattler is not at Big 12 Media Days. That's I what you're saying? I don't think so. I don't yeah. think so. I don't think Lincoln – would uh would be like, hey Spencer, you want to go? And he'd be like, no, I've got uh, I've got a big deal with raising canes coming up. I can't make it for a Big Twelve media day. I don't think that's that's how that goes. And it it couldn't just be that Jeremiah Hall is just a team captain and Nick Benito is just a team captain, right? 
Yeah, I mean, Spencer Rattler's <laughs> never never been that guy in front of the camera anyway, so it's not like Baker or Kyler there. Now, I, I can see the Jeremiah Hall thing. I could see that coming from a mile away. I mean, like, who else are you going to throw out there? I expected Jeremiah Hall to be the guy. I was surprised by Nick Benito. I thought maybe a really, really good um, kind of, I guess, what, spokesman for your program might have been another linebacker in Caleb Kelly. What do you think about that? Caleb Kelly would have been cool because he's just been there for so long. You could ask so many questions about his career at OU. Um, I think he's a pretty genuine guy, so he's not going to sugarcoat anything for you. He's just really well-spoken, so that would have been a good pick. I think so too, but I mean, Nick Benito is your, he's your all American. He's the guy that's making a lot of plays. He's just there that, killing it. Yeah. That deal with PFF, I guess. Yeah, apparently. I mean, he's, he lands in their top five every single time and even the number one spot a few times. So going on, one of the cool things you get to do at Big 12 Media Days is you actually get to go up to the players, you get to go up to the coaches and you get to say, Hey, what is this? What is this about? Like, for example, Kenneth Murray. I think I talked about it last podcast. Kenneth Murray, some guy from Texas was asking him, why would you cross the Red River? And Kenneth Murray just straight up was like, I want to win. That's all? Yeah. That's why you cross the Red River? Yeah, I want to win. And that that was it. That was the extent of that entire ordeal. But then when I asked him about you know, Brian Odom, he opened up. So, like, these guys can be selective in what questions they answer. And then, of course, you get to go approach – Lincoln Riley, Mike Gundy, and see his massive mullet and ask them interesting and odd questions. Uh, sometimes they're really thoughtful questions. Sometimes they're not thoughtful questions at all. Uh, so I, I thought I thought of this. Let's say instead of Lincoln Riley sending Jeremiah Hall and Nick Benito to Big 12 Media Days because they'll be answering questions. It's like a ton of cameras all around one guy. Nobody cares about uh, you know social distancing or their own personal space. Let's say Lincoln Riley invites Perry and Winfrey and Spencer Rattler to media days. What are you going to ask these guys? I guess we can start with Perry on. I think the one question I would have uh, would be, you know, you're ranked the number one Juco defensive tackle in the country. Why OU, especially in these recent years when they haven't been known for um, quality defense, especially on the defensive line. So what was it that really sold them on, on going to Norman and kind of being that, that changing factor there. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Like, and people forget that, that he was the number one Juco like guy. And I remember when he signed, we thought, Oh, if we'll, Oh, you can get anything out of him this year. You know, he'll, that'll be right. a plus. And he ended up being way more than we thought. And I, I would just ask him, you know, what's the significance of number eight? Like why number eight? And with the caveat of you're a big man, if you're a big man and if you have a single digit number or a number like below basically the forties, the if you have a number that's in the you know single digits to the thirties, you better be a badass, especially as a nose tackle. Remember all those Notre Dame defensive linemen that just had yeah. single digit numbers. Clemson started that too. Alabama had one, I think in the, the 2014 sugar bowl. They had one there. So yeah. And so like significance of eight. And then I guess my second one would be, What's the most disrespectful thing he's ever done to an opponent? <laughs> like, are we talking like Halo when you defeat somebody and you, like you kind of like squat over their face or what? What yeah. is that? What is that? That kind of like? leads into my second question. Okay. Um, and the Red River rivalry or shootout, whatever you want to call it, against Texas. 
Um, I th- I believe he shifted over on the defensive line on that field goal block because mm-hmm. he identified a guy that you know I'm going to beat this guy's ass on this play and block <laughs> this this field goal. So uh, I just want to know, you know, why? What did you see on that play that made you shift down? fear in his yeah. eyes yeah. <laughs> essentially you know, it's like the water boy when the when the kicker is looking on the onside kick and he's like who's it gonna be who's it gonna be and he's like oh yeah there's my bitch <laughs> yeah. he's this guy right in the, in the eyes uh spencer radler you know i'd say hey man you're a gunslinger have you ever pistol whipped anybody and that of course <laughs> i wouldn't actually say that because that would be that would be poor uh, question asking, but what would, what would you ask Spencer Rattler? I think I would ask a little bit about name image likeness. I think the other question, um, this goes up there going for you. Yeah. This goes up there like Buki's hammer. Are the cornrows coming back this year? Is Ugh. the hammer coming back out? I'm not a fan of the, I wasn't a fan of the cornrows, not because like, I just looked the bad. outcome of that they, game. Yeah. Well, that too. They, but they just didn't look very good. Uh, I would ask him who his favorite target was on the field and why it was Drake Stoops. <laughs> I think that's a fair question. Uh, even though, you know, I guess Jaden Hazelwood and him have been working out pretty, pretty like tough. Like it. And Hazelwood's not wearing that knee brace and he looks really, really strong and fluid. And I think that's music to a lot of people's ears, right? Right. Because that's where Baker and, and CD Lamb made a lot of that connection was in the offseason. Yeah, and I'm I'm really excited. I'm really really excited to see Jaden Hazelwood in this offense finally going, finally healthy without the knee brace. And I I understand that he was a little bit hesitant, especially in the spring, to really rely on that knee. But it seems like now he's just full send, full go. The guy's ready to go compete. The guy's ready to go make catches and make competitive catches, regardless of what his knee feels like. So I'm really happy for him uh, and really happy for uh, Spencer. I guess Spencer's been working out pretty. Uh, pretty heavily with Jaden Hazelwood, but also Theo Weese, which is also comforting because the last time we saw Theo was he was like in a boot and in like a little scooter, right? Yeah. During the spring game. Yeah. Somewhere around there. So, so it's really, really nice to see OU receiver, uh, OU receivers, big time ones, the five-star guys that you thought, man, these are the next coming of like big time offense at OU working out over the summer. Um, you would have loved to see Mario Williams, you know, there, but I don't know if there's anything about that with freshmen or whatever, but you know, why don't you throw Drake Stoops a bone too? Because we all love Drake Stoops. How many catches do you think Drake, like actually I'll add that later. I'll add that to, to, to the, to the numbers, <laughs> to the numbers game. Um, but going on about the big 12 is the big 12 on the rise and hear me out. Oklahoma is really, really good. Iowa State returning pretty much everybody also really good. Texas, they always have the talent. Is Sark going to put it where it needs to be? TCU, defensively sound, if they can get any offense going, can be really special. And they've had a, a massive influx of transfers. OSU, they, they usually manage to win eight, nine games, somewhere around there. Um, they seem to be legit teams, four or five legit teams that are deep. How good is the Big 12 and uh, I, I guess among all Power 5 conferences and what teams are cause for concern of the conference for the Sooners, if any? For that, I would say the Big 12 is on the rise a little bit. I wouldn't put them above the Big 10 just yet, but um, 
I think it's there in the near future where the Big 12 starts getting gaining that respect, especially towards um, 2025 is really when you want to see that if, that's, if this conference is going to stay together. So um, you got the Iowa States, Texas. We'll see what happens there. I think TCU's finally kind of getting their, getting it back together where they were in the early uh, 2010s. So I think the Big 12 is on the rise. Obviously, they're probably going to play third in the conference. So you're going to have the SEC, ACC, Big 10. Man, I I don't think – I think they've think closed the gap a little bit, though. Just a little bit. The ACC has, what, Clemson and North Carolina now? Right. Who, who else would you – would you count anybody else? Miami, kind of? It's like that third tier – Competitive yeah, Miami could be pretty good because Florida State. There's nothing, nothing good happening at Florida State. So, and so um, the ACC is kind of down. Wouldn't you suggest that like they're the ACC is lower than OU? They're the only reason why they have a good status is because of Clemson. Clemson right? has championships, yeah. And in the Pac-12, everybody, everybody craps on the Pac-12, deservedly so. Um, <laughs> you and gotta so watch got, out for Oregon, though. Oregon, Oregon might be pretty good. Yeah, and you've got the SEC in the Big Ten. Now, looking at the SEC, you've got Alabama, Georgia, LSU is hit and miss. Sounds like it's going to be a lot of misses uh, in the future. Um, Florida, when they're not playing, uh, I guess they're twos, and uh, their coach uh, gets a little upset about it. Would Auburn you say, always has a season here or there. Yeah, would you say the Big 12 is kind of becoming on par with the SEC? Not that they're equal, because Texas A&M is still a really good team. Uh, but would you say that the Big 12 is closing the gap on the SEC? Yeah, it's closed a little bit just because you have those quality teams at the top of the Big 12, especially, you know, you got OU, um, Iowa State, and then you got to wonder what Texas becomes with Sarkeesian. So um, I think the gap is narrowing. I think it's still it's a pretty large gap. I mean, there's no doubt about that, but um, it is closing back to where the Big 12 is going to be a competitive conference. And so what are your top three? Because, I mean, the Big Ten, you got Ohio State, Penn State's usually pretty okay. Michigan, they're a wild card. They could win 10 games. They could win six. Right. Um, and, and, and others in Wisconsin, of course, is usually pretty good. Uh, uh, Minnesota, I guess. They're, there, they're rolling yeah. the boat. Yeah. So, Iowa can sometimes win some some good games. Uh, Iowa beats Iowa State when they shouldn't. But <laughs> that's whatever. What are, what are your top three? Are do you have the SEC still number one, or is the oh, Big yeah, Ten number one? Especially. Okay, how close are the, are the Big Twelve and the SEC? Uh, are, are the Big Twelve and the Big Ten then? I still think the SEC is just above above there. It's a whole other level over there. Okay, because you're getting you're getting the big bodies in the in the trenches, and the the Big Ten right. doesn't have that across the board. Right. And that's that's one thing is that Oklahoma they've got the bodies in the trenches. Texas, not so much. They've really struggled on the offensive line mm-hmm. uh, recruiting-wise. Like, my goodness. Uh, Iowa State, they're recruiting three stars, but five-star hearts, all about culture. TCU, they sh- they should have a bunch of athletes, but because they just they're in DFW. They should have right. that, that same amount. And then OSU, again, kind of three-star guys, four-star guys here and there, and apparently a, a talent shetron sh- occasionally once in a lifetime. For them, yeah, I could see the Big Twelve being third, but heck, that's that's a lot better where we were like what ten years ago. Oh yeah, Big Twelve was just falling apart. And now it's talk. It's talking about oh, the Big Twelve not is not going to liquidate. Maybe the Pac twelve should liquidate and go into the Big Twelve, and that the Big Twelve is kind of becoming stronger. And what teams in the conference are 
maybe cause for concern for the Sooners. I would go, I would err on the side of, I mean, you get, you have to respect Iowa state. Right. I mean, they, they beat you in Ames despite OU being up nine or almost double digits. Um, and they played you tough again in, in the conference championship in which you went up double digits once again and almost pissed the bed because they were just so young. You have TCU, which has really never been a problem for OU. Texas, regardless if they are actually really good or really bad, usually is a thorn in the side of Oklahoma. They haven't blown them out, and it seems like it feels like 2003, but I'm sure it's been it's been in the 2010 since that's happened. And then, of course, OSU. They're the little brother at the end of the year that you kind of have to pimp slap with the back of your hand, just like <laughs> for good measure. Um, so I'm not really worried about them. But what are teams that are legit cause for concern for you? I didn't put K-State up here. Should I have put Kansas State up here? Well, I guess if you're going off recent history, especially Kansas State, because mm. they, they've they've figured the Sooners out, um, especially early on in the season, and kind of gotten away with that game. I don't think it's going to be the same repeat this year. Um, I'm kind of curious what's going on with West Virginia. And seeing with that that defense, I don't think Oklahoma got to take a look at them last season. So mm. that's kind of a big question mark for me. TCU, um, obviously, they got a big influx of talent. Maybe Gary Patterson kind of finally gets those pieces together. So that's kind of another game. Although I think it is in Norman this year. So um, that's, a, that's a benefit to the Sooners as well. And let's go to this next part. I was on a podcast last night with Gerald Goodridge and Kyle Carpenter. Those are the guys that are from Burnt Orange Nation. Um, and I was on a Texas podcast, you know, breaking down Oklahoma for them. And Gerald Goodridge is a really, really nice guy. And he is a he's he's not one of those Texas folks that's like crimson glasses, uh, rose colored glasses. He sees the holes in their program. And he's just a nice guy. And he asked me this question. I thought it was a really great question. What is the storyline this year for OU? What is the storyline that they are trying to accomplish? Or what is a storyline that's imperative for, for OU for you this year? I think it's just the playoff hump. They have to get up above this thing to really uh, take their program to that that next echelon of being a perennial contender that's taken seriously um nationally so i think the big question mark is can lincoln riley get this entire program together we're all they're on the same page they don't trip up early in the season they don't give up a game they shouldn't and just take care of business because all the pieces are there that's not tremendous talent across the board but it's better than it's ever been and that's that's exactly what i said i said can they because oklahoma you look at the depth chart you look at how well they recruited and you look at the quality of coaches that they have Defense, offense, special teams across the board. Can Oklahoma run through their schedule as they should? They're so much more talented than a lot of people, and then all people, than a lot of other teams in the conference. They're more talented. They're better coached. You had contributors last year, Marvin Mims, the biggest contributor in offense, true freshman playing in his high school body. He's bulked up, he's gotten faster. You're having other players, Kennedy Brooks. He's now feeling, you know, he's a year off, basically. He has Nick's here and there from, like, you know, practicing on his own time, but a year off of his body just getting beaten to hell at the end of a football season. He's fresh, and he's ready to go. And you have a lot of that stuff across the board, lots of depth. Can Oklahoma run the table like they should? Like, I don't think there's anybody here that thinks Oklahoma should not run through their schedule exactly like Clemson does. 
Oklahoma has the talent. They've got the coaches. They need to be able to do it. And they need, it's not just that, they need to be in that national title game or it is an actual failure this year. Is Am I going too far in that? Or is no, that I think fair? you're spot on. I think, that, I think that's fair because we've, we've looked at this team build up over the past, let's say, three years, and we've kind of circled 2021 as, you know, all the pieces are going to be there for them to finally make a run. Um, you know, can they dial in and do it? Essentially, and that's what I that's what I that's what I kept on communicating is is can they can they do it? Because we've seen several years where they should have done it and they just couldn't get it done. Of course, that's on the backs of their defense a lot of the times, but also on the offense with turning the ball over too many times and getting them in the hole where a defense can't dig them out. And so this year, I mean, like heck, you have a defense that should be in the top thirty again. You have an offense that's going to be in the top three once again, maybe. I mean, they probably are going to be number one. Um, there's no excuse. There's really no excuse, especially while you're playing in the Big 12. You should be able to get over the Iowa State. Now, instead of having a bunch of young kids, you now have a bunch of experienced guys that have played in a big, in, in a big game, in the conference championship, and in a big bowl game. They have, they have it ready. The mindset's ready. They need to go and deliver. And so... Let's go to this numbers game because I thought this was fun. I thought it was interesting. I, I wanted to, I want to see where you're at mentally. Oklahoma wins this year over and under how many games they win 11 and a half. <laughs> uh, that'd be a, a tall order, but I I'll go the over for this one. I think, Oklahoma, I think Lincoln Riley has kind of learned his lesson as how to keep this team focused. Um, obviously, you had a lot of growth during the offseason. This is a very young uh, team last season um, that didn't really have that experience. And now, um, you know, you have those two losses. That's a lot of lessons to learn there. So I think they finally turned the corner. I think they'll, they'll win over. I'll take the over on that. I'm taking the over, too. I think, I think and of course, this is probably going to give my answer away a couple times. I think they're going to they're due for a national title run or at least in a national title appearance. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they must win the national title. I'm saying they must be in that national title yeah, game and I think there. they will. And so I'm going to go over on that one too. I think they win over 11 and a half games, 12 or more. Now let's go to the next one. Oklahoma finishes with a top 30 defense. This is more of a true or false. I'll go uh I'll go true. I'll go in the top 25 for that one. I think um, when you look at this defense on paper, um, you know, there's not that elite playmaker other than, you know, Perry on Winfrey, maybe. Um, but you have really, really good talent across the board enough to get you in that top 25 conversation. We're talking about top 30 defenses. I think Oklahoma has a top 30 defense just because they play New Orleans. They go to Tulane, Western Carolina, Nebraska, Texas as a new QB. That should be enough, like Baylor and others, that should be enough just to get you over the hump to be in that third in that top 30 defense. Now, what about offense? Top three? That's a more interesting question because you gotta look at this. Um, it's like how good can they be, especially your biggest question is the offensive line. Are, are they gonna give Spencer Rattler enough time? Um you know, are they going to be able to run block, especially for the for the new running backs there? So um, I think it dials in on the offensive line. But then you look at the wide receivers and you say, okay, 
what's Hazelwood going to look like? What's Weiss going to look like? Uh, is Stogner going to stay healthy the entire season? So um, for this, I will say I'll go just outside the top three. I'll say they have a top five offense. You know, oh man, because there's too many question marks on there for the for the top yeah. three. Would would there be less question marks if the offensive line wasn't maybe a question mark? Yeah, and that would go into a to another question going in with the the pat or the uh, the rushers, the two thousand yard rushers. So okay, so man, I struggle with this one. I think they'll finish with the top three offense. I think they'll finish with number okay. three. I think they'll finish with number three, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they finished with number one or two because, I mean, rem- remember Big 12 Media Days a few years back? Jalen Hurts was going to be the new quarterback of the Oklahoma offense. Barry Trammell in his <laughs> purple checkered suit was like, oh, Lincoln, you, uh, you're you replacing a Heisman, two Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. How you're going to suck this year? You're going to have a dip in production, uh, and, and how big of that dip in production do you expect to take? And... Lincoln turns on a dime. He's like, we don't expect to drop in production. And everybody immediately in the crowd was like, this guy's <laughs> full of shit. They're, he knows they're going to drop production. And they didn't. They were still incredible yeah. on offense. And so that's why I say this is the top three offense. You got Spencer Rattler okay. returning. If he has it, he's got the physical capabilities, arm talent. Uh, he's He's got it all physically. If it's in between his ears, mentally, if he's got it all down, he's gonna be really really good he's gonna be really really great for the Sooners I expect a top three offense from them if I mean quite frank now over and under this goes back to the defense are they forcing 16 and a half turnovers that's less than that's that's a little bit more than one a game uh I will go just over on that one I think this defense is prime especially in the secondary I think I like the speed back there I like the size back there so speed D I hear I like uh I like the turnovers I'll go the over okay Man, that's tough. Because last year they started out really, really slow, and then it just snowballed. And at the end of the year, and they caught like so many, uh, so many forces. Trey Norwood uh, and Woody yes. Washington. They were just all around the ball by the end of the year. So you know what? Give me. That's tough. Give me the under. Give me 15, okay. 15 turnovers. So a little bit just more than okay. one a game. But they will be forcing one a game, or maybe there's a game that they they strike out and get none, and then the next game they get two or three. So I'm going to go a little bit under, but it's tough for me. Now, let's go to the offensive line question that you just mentioned. True or false? Oklahoma will have two 1,000-yard rushers in the backfield this year between Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray. I'm going to go false on this one. Okay. Um, I think they'll have one 1,000-yard rusher, and the other back will be... A thousand yards, all-purpose yards. Ooh, I don't okay. think it'll be just rushing. So, I'll go the under. I think um, you know, one thousand-yard rusher, and the other one will have the the total in passing. It could receiving. be like it could be like a Kyler or Jalen, and have a quarterback be another thousand-yard rusher. <laughs> True. I don't think Spencer Rattler's that that good of a rusher, though. He's he's not. He's not. And he'll he move knows. the chains, but he's not going to bust the eighty-yard run. He knows when to actually hand the ball off, or no, not only he knows when to hand the ball off on a on a read. He he just does what he's supposed to do. Whereas sometimes Jalen would get a little bit uh, selfish with the ball and then fumble it later on. But hey, Drake Stoops <laughs> over under twenty five catches this year. I'll go under. I think he probably gets about twenty receptions. 
Okay. Um, maybe a little bit more. I don't think it's 25, but there's room in this offense, especially if Hazelwood is, is healthy, Stogner's healthy, Weiss is healthy. And no bridges. Um, no bridges, so that role is clear. We'll, we'll see what happens with Mike Woods, but, um, you know, it's going to be tough to cover all those guys, and I think that opens Drake Stoops up a little bit more this season. Give me the freaking over, baby. <laughs> Third, at least 25 catches because I'm Mike Woods is Charles, what Charleston Rambo wants to be, what everybody wanted Charleston <laughs> Rambo. He is going to be a guy that's not going to kill you with routes. He's going to run down the sideline, maybe crossing patterns, maybe some posts, and try to get just burn defenses deep. You've got Jaden Hazelwood. You know, I don't think he's going to be a slot guy. And, and if he is a slot guy, he's not going to be a slot guy that goes and sits down in the middle of zones. Same for Theo Weiss. Same for Marvin. Maybe Marvin Mims can do that. Not maybe. He can do that too. But give me a Drake Stoops where a guy that's specifically going to play that slot, going to find empty holes in zones 100% of the time. Give me Drake Stoops there. I'm taking the over. And last but not least for this over-under, Boomer Sooner has played 200 times this year in the stands. Definitely over. over. What's a realistic number to put there that that you would say under? Uh, 300. Okay. So an- another hundred and we would have been like, all right, maybe too much. Maybe. Yeah. Let me go. I'll say 300 is the, the over under. It depends on how many points they, they like to spam it. it. They like to yeah. spam it a little bit. So it depends on how many points they scored that year. I, I suppose, because I'm, I mean like when Kevin Wilson was back there with the hurry up, they scored a crap ton of points. <laughs> and I bet opponents were just so annoyed by the amount of boomer sooners because it's not just when they score. It's after pretty much everything. It's like, I don't know. We're losing my 20. Just play Boomer soon. I will figure, right. figure it out at the end. <laughs> um, but like you said earlier, you're going to be floating down in Missouri uh, on a river. Pretty sunburnt. Maybe a little tipsy. So Yeah, that, that sounds – those those two go together well. But it sounds and, like we're going to miss a little bit of fireworks for Oklahoma. Yeah. And so Caden Helms is kind of a tight end guy. Uh, a little bit more finesse can, can – uh, Great pass catcher, and he's a 2022 product. But also Malachi Nelson and Treyon Webb also going to make an announcement or commitment of some sort. Those are 2023 guys, but like five-star guys, dudes that are changing to the program. I mean, how many times can you bring in a game-changing quarterback with with, with Kyler Murray with transfer, Rattler, Caleb Williams, uh, and Malachi Nelson? Um, tell me about these guys. I, I've had a draft. I thought – Man, I've had a draft of Caden Helms committed to OU like a month ago because everybody <laughs> thought he was going to commit, and then he wanted to go to North Carolina and then make his decision then. But Caden Helms is committing on the 17th, so is Treyon Webb. Malachi Nelson is committing on the 18th. Tell me about these guys. Well, I guess we can start with Helms. Um, he's a guy that's really interesting uh, from Nebraska. Um, at first glance, I thought he was more of that, um, kind of the Calcaterra build a little bit, but the more I watch, I think he's closer to what Mark Andrews could be. Um, he's a little light, so he's going to need to build up a little bit, but, um, I think he's just a, a big target at six or six, 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 five, something like that, two twenty. So he could easily go up to two forty, two fifty, something like that by the time he's in his sophomore year. Um, so that's that's a big get for Oklahoma, especially with uh, Stogner probably moving on, Willis moving on, something like that. So that's me a big big get for uh, for Caleb Williams. And what about 
mean, because I, I know what Caden Helms brings in. He's he comes at a time in in, in which you know Oklahoma they they lost Mikey Henderson, and he could be a guy that's kind of you know. Um, the H back role, yeah, H back Swiss Army knife, kind of put him in a, um, a variety of roles in the backfield, but also out wide. Yeah, you could flex him. Him and Llewellyn, I think Llewellyn fits more as like a a runner necessarily. Helms is more of mm-hmm. a, a route runner. Okay, and so tell me about let's let's save Malachi Nelson for last because he's he's another game changing okay. quarterback. Tell me about Trayon Webb. He's the same guy as Caden Helms that's going to make a commitment of some sort. Yeah, Trey on Webb, I think depending on what uh, recruiting service you use, I think is either a four, high four-star or five-star uh, running back slash DB, something like that. Um, he's going to be a running back for Oklahoma. He's a little bit reminiscent of uh, like Kennedy Brooks in that he he's a very smooth runner, very decisive, um, kind of a little bit of deceiving speed, but he doesn't have that extra gear. So um, this is a guy that's really going to move the chains for Oklahoma. He's going to get the tough yards. Um, but I don't know if he's quite the home run threat that maybe like Eric Gray is. Okay. Okay. Uh, man, I mean, that's, that's pretty big praise regardless. Is he another game changing kind of player? Yeah. He's, he's a guy that you're going to want in a playoff game. Like he's going to win you a college football playoff game if he's there. So, um, just don't expect like the lightning fast running back that maybe, there gray is he's more of that smooth runner he's going to be the tough runner um you know with with good speed but it's just not like a, a hollywood brown he's not gonna be a burner now tell me about malachi nelson because he's five-star qb mm-hmm. one of the best guys in the country what does he offer because oklahoma's seen several different skill sets between baker mayfield uh kyler murray Jalen hurts spencer rattler what does he bring to the table He's a little bit different in that obviously he has the the QB prototypical uh, QB size at 6'3". I think he's like somewhere like 180, 185 right now. Um, so he's more than that. Uh, you go back to like a Landry Jones or a Sam Bradford kind of build where he's going to stand okay. tall in the pocket and he's just going to pick you apart. Wow. Um, I think he does have the tools to be a little bit of a runner. Um, I wouldn't say he's going to be like a, like a Kyler Murray or a Jalen Hurts at all, but he can be more like a Spencer Rattler and get you those tough yards, move the chains. Um, you know, he's get pretty you a tall first too, down. isn't he? Yeah, six six foot three, somewhere around there. Um, is he kind of like a six four? Is he kind of like a Trevor Lawrence guy? He's kind of like uh, you could say Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields type. Um, okay. I don't think he has the running ability of a Justin Fields. I don't think he has that right. athleticism, but. Right. Uh, he could be a little bit of a runner here and there. And obviously okay. the arm talent is very much there, just in the, the same way that Justin Fields is. Oh, of course, of course. And so this week, along with Big 12 Media Days, just a big week for college football, especially if you're an Oklahoma Sooners fan. I mean, it's it's just a big week, and it's, it should be fun for everybody that follows the dudes in Crimson and Cream. And so let's come to our last point. Austin Kendall is now the quarterback of Louisiana Tech. He was Lincoln Riley's first quarterback recruit. Could he have been successful at OU? Do you think? Um, define successful, like Big Twelve Championship. Yes, he probably could have won one. I don't think he would be a repeat contender. I don't think Austin T- uh, Kindle's that kind of talent. But you know, the pieces around him would have been pretty good, where he he could have, could have done enough to win you a Big Twelve Championship. See, I I think, and I think that's fair. I think he could have won a Big Twelve title with OU. Uh, just because 
of the sheer fact that Lincoln Riley is the court, uh, the, the QB coordinator, the, the offensive coordinator and the head coach. He tailors his entire offense to his personnel. Unlike, unlike Josh Heupel over at Tennessee. And what I see with Austin Kendall, I mean, like, if Lincoln Riley can get Jalen Hurts to the Heisman ceremony, he can get Austin Kendall a Big 12 championship ring. That's that's it. It's done. If he can get Jalen Hurts throwing 70%, 70% when he's never thrown anything close right. to that, he can get Austin Kendall to 72%, 71% easily because he makes guys successful for the positions that they're in. Now, I thought this would be a little bit fun because these are quarterbacks before uh, Lincoln Riley's kind of tenure. And I wanted to see what you think. So first of all, these are the names I'm throwing out there. Trevor, Trevor Knight, Landry Jones, Austin Kendall, Cody Thomas, uh, Major League Baseball. In Blast from the Past, Nate <laughs> freaking Hibble, who I believe... Uh, Oh, what's his name on on the sports animal? The guy that calls everybody yardbirds, Traber. Do you remember when? Have you ever seen that video of Traber getting into an argument with Nate Hibble live? He after was on YouTube, time? I think. Fantastic. And Doug Gottlieb, Doug Gottlieb, a credit card stealer, was on that. Was on that. <laughs> uh, on that. On that video. And uh, so Nate, Nate Hibble. And so thinking of these quarterbacks, Knight, Jones, Kendall, Thomas, and Hibble, rank them in order. From least successful to most successful, if Lincoln Riley was their quarterback coach and offensive coordinator, how oh, successful man. they have been. I know I didn't come prepared for this. Like I wrote down names and I said, <laughs> let's go. Least successful. I'll go Trevor Knight at the five. Oh, <laughs> I know not, I much, got... not much, not much praise for the night, man. Unless he's just in the sugar bowl for some reason, which he probably isn't going to be all season. Uh, Trevor Knight, just so many mistakes. Uh, he's not going to win you much, much games, even with Lincoln Riley as the coach. So I'll go Trevor Knight at the five. Um, Austin Kendall, probably going to be there at the four. I'll go at the four with Austin Kendall because I don't think he's a tremendous talent, but he does enough to win you some games here and there. Okay. Okay. This is where I think Nate Hibble would maybe be third here. Okay. Um, cause I think Cody Thomas at the number two, what is, uh, he would have been a really, really good quarterback for Lincoln Riley. I think his talent, um, you know, as a runner and a passer would have been on display. Um, so I'll go him at the two and Landry Jones at the one. All right. That's fair, man. You're not a fan of, okay. Here's my five from least successful to most successful. Number five, I've got Kendall Thompson, uh, not Kendall Thompson, <laughs> Austin Kendall. Austin Kendall seems like a guy that's a little bit scared in his boots sometimes, especially when it comes to contact. Uh, he basic threw the defenses. Ball, basic defense. Oh, my God. I cannot, I cannot believe he said that again about Ohio State that one time. Uh, he just seems like a guy that does not do well under pressure. Okay. He lost his job at OU. He never really had a job. He lost a job at West Virginia. And now he's at Law Tech. I wish him the best. But I don't think it was going to work out. So I put him at five. Number four, Nate Hibble. Really? Nate Nate Hibble wasn't the best thrower, but he could take a freaking hit 
get up and do the same exact same thing the next play. And I respect the hell out of that dude. Go back and look at all of his highlights. It's him just getting beat to hell. <laughs> he's he's about to take a clothesline from a linebacker, and this man delivers like a 50-yard strike. He did that time after time after time. And he came in to several games where like, he came into the Alabama game when Jason White went down with the other knee and uh, really delivered a, a, a performance that, I mean, it wasn't like he lit the world on fire, but he kept them in check. He kept them going, made the throws he needed to go. But I just don't think he was that talented, but I do give that guy kudos. He was a transfer. Okay. I give him kudos for really getting off the turf and really still going out at the next play. I appreciate that. Number three, Cody Thomas. The really? Dude, yeah, the dude could sling it. We all, we both know this. We both think he would have been a great quarterback in this system. Underrated athlete. He's an outfielder uh, in baseball. Incredibly strong arm. That guy's arm is wild, but incredibly accurate as well. Um, I think he would have been just, just fine under Lincoln Riley. I think he would have been a great quarterback. Uh, remember that one time when Josh Heupel was running the show and Oklahoma's run game was incredible in 2000 and was it 14 or 13 when all the injuries happened? I forget. Would have been, are you talking about when they had, they lost all those games? It was when they went down to Lubbock and they didn't have Trevor Knight or whoever else available. And P. Ryan just, I think it was 2014. Regardless, they were in Lubbock. Freshman season. They were in Lubbock and... Josh Heupel said, hmm, let's get Cody Thomas going instead of <laughs> Texas Tech gives up 300 yards up on the ground all day. And Oklahoma has the best offensive line and running backs in the country that will punish you. Why are you doing this? But I think Cody Thomas would have been really, really great under Lincoln Riley. And I feel like this might be a hot take. You probably will say it's a hot take. I don't think it's a hot take. I put Trevor Knight as number two most successful under Lincoln Riley. I think he just needed a guy to fine tune his mechanics. It, not an elite athlete. He's not an elite athlete, but he certainly is a good athlete. Remember that Notre Dame game where he uh, Blake Bell goes out. Trevor Knight comes in the first right. couple plays from scrimmage, 20 yard run, 30 yard gash speed. The guy is an athlete. The guy dunks basketballs. Like you don't see is Austin Kendall, Nate Hibbler and Cody Thomas dunking or Landry Jones dunking basketballs. No. Is Trevor Knight dunking basketballs? <laughs> yes. What is basketball also picks all over the place? So, but I think that's fixable reading defenses and also throwing the ball, just the mechanics that's fixable. I feel like that's in people point to the TCU game when he basically tried everything in his power in <laughs> when Baker Mayfield went out when he like tried everything oh, just to, throw the to, game. to give that game away. But I he think probably he probably had like been, fifty bucks on it. If for if TCU. he if he, Lincoln Riley had Trevor Knight for two to two three years, I think he could have made him a great quarterback, not like an elite quarterback, not a national title quarterback, but a quarterback worth respecting that gets more than like an. XFL bid to be a, a third string wide, uh, wide receiver. Okay. And I don't think there's much doubting this Lincoln Riley being the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for Landry Jones would have done wonders for his career. Wonders oh, yeah. for what he could have done in the NFL and wonders for Oklahoma, especially that 2012 season where they were supposed, they were the number one team in the country where they were supposed to go and just beat the hell out of everybody. And it didn't necessarily work out that way by the end of the season. But I still think Landry Jones, for you and me, would have been most successful, not just in college. 
he would have had a better trajectory in the NFL because of Lincoln Riley. But last question before we end the podcast, something special comes out on Friday. It's the, uh, it's the new Space Jam. You'll be floating down a river. Oh, yeah. I'm going to miss the, uh, mm-hmm. the debut. I heard it was I, – I've, I've talked to people that have gotten a sneak preview of Space Jam with LeBron James. I'm into it. Are, are you gonna Are you gonna watch it? Oh, I'm gonna watch. I think it's on. It's on HBO Max. HBO Max this Friday. So yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll watch it. I've heard. I'm eight. not expecting much though, especially after Fast Nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LeBron These, uh, James this year's heck, movies aren't great. LeBron James might was might ditch Looney Tunes and go to Team USA. They might need his help a little <laughs> bit. Gosh, they, they beat they, lost. they beat Argentina today. They actually they? played. Yeah, they they actually like instead of being pansies and looking for fouls, they were actually the ones being aggressive and physical with Argentina. So I appreciated that, but that's all I got, man. Oh yeah. I I freaking love the Olympics, especially the summer Olympics. There are so many freaking games. Like I'm not big on the winter Olympics at all. It's like, it's not like snowboarding or whatever else they do. Yeah, It's not my thing, but you talk about summer Olympics. You've got, I mean, you've got, so many different sports they could actually watch. I watch the and, four by one. Four by one's fun. Yeah. And, and there's so many things you can watch, like handball. Have you ever heard of handball? I think I saw that on ESPN. Is that where, is that where they bounce it off that little mini trampoline or something? Or is that completely different? I think that's different. Oh, oh I know okay, what you're talking never- about that. I know what you're talking about though. But like handball is incredible. Uh, people get really into the two on two beach volleyball because probably not for volleyball reasons, uh, especially when the U S women's team is good. Uh, and there's a bunch of good, great sports for the summer Olympics. Are you not a summer Olympic fan? I'm just not an Olympic fan, man. Oh, you not a huge Olympic fan. Team USA is going to take the gold. Like every year, they're going to have the most medals too. I'll, I'll watch like the big races, like the 100 meter, 200 meter, four by one, um, some basketball here or there, but I'm not a huge follower of this. I couldn't even tell you an Olympic athlete. I could tell you the like NBA Usain team. Bolt's probably going to be there. <laughs> I could tell you the NBA team and who's not going to be there because they smoked weed, which is an archaic rule, <laughs> but that's for a different podcast. We've had that talk several times in this podcast, but I think that's going to about wrap us up, but Hey, follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. You guys can follow us on Twitter. Heck, me, if you're watching this, me and Steven's, uh, our, our Twitter ats are right under our names. But you can follow me at Gamerobby and CCM. You can follow Steven at OUPDATEDSB. You can follow the pod account at CC Machine. And, you know, we're pretty much on every podcast platform. And if you're looking for the Discord link, like last week and the week before, I put the Discord link in the actual podcast information. If you just have to click on the podcast, it's right there at the bottom. So if you want to get in the Discord, those links last for 10 days, and that'll be awesome. But we'll come, I'll come up with a shorter podcast on Friday, probably maybe about Space Jam. Who knows? Uh, and that's about it, guys. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you guys later.